What's going on, everybody? We are back. First episode of 2019. And we got a lot to talk about. Uh, of course, LeBron crowning himself uh, the GOAT after the 2016 finals over the Warriors. Something we need to discuss. Obviously, it's been in the news all week. And most importantly, the NFL playoffs start tomorrow. We have the wild card matchups on Saturday and Sunday. And then I'm going to round out the show with uh, a little bit of my thoughts on Netflix's Bandersnatch, the new Black Mirror interactive movie, because it's been something that obviously, again, a lot of people have been talking about. And I've watched so many movies. I mean, like so many movies from Christmas to now that I can't possibly give my thoughts on all of them. I've watched literally six movies. I watched four plane, four movies on the plane back and forth from uh, two on the way to vacation, two on the way back. So it, it's just a lot of movie consumption for me. But Bird Box and Black... And I'll, I'll actually talk a little bit about Bird Box too because Bird Box and Black Mirror were the two that kind of captivated everybody uh, this past week and going into the new year. Of course, we will start with LeBron. Now, uh, you know, everyone at ESPN, Fox Sports, all those major network talk shows, sports talk shows, discussing how LeBron in his ESPN Plus show, whatever they have going on, it's like Kobe Bryant has detail, Peyton Manning has detail, LeBron has his own little talk show thing he does. It's kind of like a PG version of The Shop, which is on HBO. And he was talking about the 2016 NBA Finals when he and the Cleveland Cavaliers came back to beat the Golden State Warriors, who had just broken the single-season record for wins. Uh, they came back 3-1 and beat the Warriors in seven games. And LeBron said, after all the commotion and the hype and the excitement and uh, his emotions cleared up and he took a second to kind of realize what had happened, he said that he said to himself, he acknowledged, he's like, that right there made me the greatest of all time. Now, the the beef with that is that's fine. Like I don't think there really is any problem with LeBron thinking like, yeah, I just did one of the one of the most impossible things that anyone could have thought at the time, and I think that puts me as the greatest of all time. I don't think there's any problem with LeBron thinking that personally for himself. But obviously, people took exception to the fact that he acknowledged that he thought he was the greatest of all time. Jalen Rose, especially. I saw Jalen Rose's take on it, and sometimes he really pisses me off because he's so stubborn. But he was saying LeBron has a little bit ways to go to catch Michael, to catch Bill Russell, to catch Wilt, or not Wilt, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He said LeBron just passed Larry Bird in his on his list. False. There's no way that LeBron is just ahead of Larry Bird. There's just no way. Now that is just that's obviously just one analyst that gave their opinion on that. 
Chauncey Billups said he loved that LeBron came out and said that he thought he was the greatest of all time, even though he doesn't necessarily agree with it. But he loved the fact that he came out and said said it because you know a lot of no no superstar like that has ever come out and said I'm the greatest of all time. And it was kind of just a thing that was bestowed upon you by critics and the media and the fans and all that and uh, fellow players, of course. But LeBron was the first to come out and say, like, I think I, in that moment, became the greatest of all time. And it is a debate that obviously could be talked about for years, even after LeBron's done playing. It'll be, it'll be something that my, my kids will be talking about, you know, who is, who is the best. And I'm sure... When they're my age, there's going to be somebody in the league who people will start comparing to LeBron. Is he better than LeBron? Is he better than Jordan? There's always going to be another, you know? It'll always be like that. Everyone thought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, scoring monster, unstoppable beast. No one ever's, No one's ever going to be as good as him. Magic and Larry came along, and everyone was like, damn, like these kids are really, really good. Not sure if anyone's going to top them. Then Jordan came along, and so on and so forth. There's always going to be a generational player that comes along, and they're going to be pinned up there with Michael and LeBron and all the other greats. Because it's just, that's what sports are, you know? That's how sports discussions go, honestly, especially basketball. Just because that is the sport where one person can dominate so much and can single-handedly lead a team to championships, etc., etc. It's easy to kind of pick out who was the best. In my opinion... It's LeBron. Not it's it's different because I I have different views. So if you ask me who is the most talented basketball player to ever step foot on a basketball court, it's LeBron James. He can guard all five positions. He can rebound. He has great court vision. He can shoot the three efficiently, even though that wasn't the case earlier in his career. Now he can. He shoots efficiently from the field. He pretty much gets to the paint at will. He can do every single thing that the sport demands of you, and he can do it exceptionally. And I'm not sure that any other player can say that they did every single thing that the sport asks of them efficiently. Everyone had their, their flaw not flaws, but their assets of the game where they excelled in now if you came up to me and said three seconds on the clock not even three seconds one second on the clock one shot to win the game who are you taking LeBron's maybe maybe fifth on my list maybe Jordan Kobe Larry Bird maybe even Kareem I'm probably forgetting some people Isaiah Thomas maybe even LeBron might not even be fifth. If you gave me a whole list in front of me right now, 
of just like the consensus top 20 players of all time. LeBron will probably, he'll be in the top 10, but I mean, Kevin Durant right now actively, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, I'll take over LeBron. So obviously it's different, but I'm saying as far as the most talented in all the things that basketball demands of one player, LeBron does everything exceptionally. And I don't think you could say that about any other player. Whether Jordan was capable of that or not, you know, he was, I know Jordan wasn't just a scoring machine. He won Defensive Player of the Year and stuff like that. But he was, as far as, you know, his stats say, he wasn't a good, as good as a rebounder as LeBron and he wasn't a good as, as good as a passer as LeBron. Scottie Pippen was arguably a better floor facilitator than Michael Jordan was. Anyway, there, like I said, there's going to be discussions about this, you know, until I'm dead. It'll never stop, ever, 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 ever stop. And that's fine. It's a fun debate to have. But at this point, because we've been having it for so many years, this discussion has gone on for so many years that you'll never, you'll never be able to, to say for certain until LeBron's done. And even then, there's going to be arguments and comparisons you know, he he might have the stats, but not the championships. What if he gets the championships, but not the stat? It's all, it's all very much, uh, you know, he said, she said kind of thing. It, it doesn't matter what stats you throw out there. Everyone's heard them all before. So it'll just be, you know, media heads and all that, and me and my friends in a in a backyard screaming at each other for the end of time about who's better between LeBron and Jordan. And it won't matter. It, it won't matter. They are, obviously, LeBron is already top five, if not top two. Uh, and to think otherwise, I think you're just dead wrong at that point. That is something you could say. Is LeBron is, without a doubt, one of the top five greatest players to ever play the game. Anyway, let's... Let's let's stop with that now. We're uh we are done talking about LeBron. Okay, so now of course it is wild card weekend for the NFL. Finally, I've been waiting like three weeks to do a podcast talking about the wild card games to start, and they are finally here. And it was a wild Last week of the NFL season. I mean, my God. So, the first set of games, let's see, that's, okay, that's Sunday. So, it's Saturday. The first set of games are the Colts at the Texans and the Seahawks at the Cowboys. And, obviously, the Cowboys clinched. They had that ridiculous win against the Giants in the last week of the season, which was just the perfect cap to what the Giants' season was. I mean, a classic Giants loss. A classic New York Giants loss. Absolutely unbelievable. B.W. Webb, if he's on the team next year, I will freak out. Don't get me started on that. Whatever. It's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine. 
Anyway, the first game is the Colts and the Texans. So the Colts, somehow, someway, Andrew Luck wills them into the playoffs. They get the wild card spot. And they, they actually, they had a chance to, to steal the AFC South from the Texans, but the Texans didn't choke. They got the wins they needed. So the Colts, who finished at 10-6, will be at the Texans, who finished 11-5. and uh, That doesn't really, they both play in domes, so it's not, uh, I guess, that big of home field advantage for the Texans. The second game, both teams finished 10-6, and six, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. The Seahawks, throughout, through all odds, they started the year, I believe it was either 0-2 or 0-3, and a lot of people were just like, the Seahawks reign, and their playoff streak is finally at an end this season. They won't make the playoffs. Russell Wilson looks like he's struggling, yada, 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 and he was pretty much like, nope, <laughs> just nope, and willed the Seahawks into the playoffs once again. So kudos to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for proving everybody wrong. And then, of course, the Cowboys in a god-awful NFC East got into the playoffs. They won the NFC East. So they will host the Seahawks, which, I mean, the Seahawks are in the playoffs, but if they had home field in at least that game, uh, I think it would have made the world a difference, but I'm not sure how they'll fare against the Cowboys. That'll probably be... In, both these games are uh, interesting matchups. Houston is favored at one and a half at home, and Dallas is favored by two. So those are only because they're home. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a tight, a tight contest. The Texans defense has to show up, and if they do, I think... And they make the Colts and Andrew Luck a very one-dimensional team. And hopefully the Texans' pass defense can withstand Andrew Luck throwing 60 times. And then Seahawks-Cowboys is unpredictable because the Cowboys, it depends what Dak Prescott you get. Sometimes Dak Prescott looks like he, he has no idea what he's doing. And... That should worry Cowboys fans because he has been incredibly inconsistent throughout the entire year. And if you're inconsistent against the Seahawks, my feeling is that Russell Wilson is going to make you pay. So obviously I'm rooting for the Seahawks because I hate the Cowboys. Uh, Texans, Colts, I don't know. I'd like to see Andrew Luck continue his uh, comeback player of the year. Tour, but I don't. But also, you know, Deshaun Watson and the Texans are—they're fun to watch. So, either way, I think I'll be okay with the the result of that game. And Sunday, of course, we have at one o'clock the Chargers and Ravens, and the Chargers finished an amazing twelve and four. Ravens finished ten and six. And both these teams, the Chargers, almost, almost snagged the AFC West from the Kansas City Chiefs, but not quite. Uh, They just missed it, so they're in the wild card. And they are playing a Ravens team who also 
fought back from the depths to snag a playoff spot. And that brings me to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I'll talk about after I get through these wildcard games. Anyway, the Ravens and the Chargers, that'll be an interesting game. The Ravens' defense is very good, but the Chargers' offense, as long as Melvin Gordon is healthy, I believe the Chargers' offense is just about as good as any other team's offense in the entire league. Because Melvin Gordon out of the backfield, man, he'll gash you for a big run, and then you can dump it off as a screen pass. Doesn't matter. He will make. He is a weapon out of the backfield, and uh, I'm, I still hold a little bit of a grudge against him because he sat out the last three weeks of the season and made me lose my fantasy. But he is an excellent running back. So as long as he's healthy for the Chargers, I think they'll uh, come out with that win against the Ravens, even though they are they at at Baltimore. Wow. So even though they are at Baltimore. I think they'll uh I think they'll pull out the win against the Ravens. Again though, could be a very close game. These wild card matches could be a very close game, except for in my opinion this next one. So this last game, uh the 4 440 game on Sunday, the Eagles at the Bears, the Bears and somehow some way the Philadelphia Eagles are in the playoffs. It is simply unbelievable. They had struggled all year. That's that's being generous. They sucked. Mostly because 90% of their team got injured, but they were bad all year. And they somehow, someway managed to stay in the picture for long enough to where Nick Foles swooped in and saved them once again. It is... It is really unbelievable what Nick Foles has done for the Philadelphia Eagles. And there are people out there who think that Nick Foles should be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles in the future and not Carson Wentz. To those people, I say you're getting a little too caught up in the moment, dating back even to the Super Bowl. But it is an interesting conversation. So you have Carson Wentz last year, right? Absolute monster. Tearing it up. Front runner for the MVP, at least in my opinion. And then, of course, he tears his ACL third to last, second to last week of the season, whatever it was. Enter Nick Foles, who leads a dominant playoff run to the Super Bowl, and then an even more impressive Super Bowl game to defeat Tom Brady and the, at that point, impossible to beat New England Patriots. Instantly, Nick Foles is enshrined as a Philadelphia god right up there with Rocky Balboa, who isn't even real. But that's the point. Nick Foles became this unbelievably worshipped person in the city of Philadelphia and he wasn't even the starting quarterback. The Browns try to acquire Nick Foles before the draft. The Eagles, even though Nick Foles doesn't even have a no-trade clause, asked him out of 
the kindness of their heart because they were such they were indebted to Nick Foles. Do you want to go to Cleveland? He says, no, I'd rather stay here in a city that loves me and be the backup. Okay, fine. Nick Foles stays. I think that Nick Foles staying was possibly the worst thing to ever happen to Carson Wentz. Nick Foles ends up playing the first couple weeks of the year. They finally put Carson Wentz back in there. Who knows? They It was... Under, you know, everyone's impression, I guess, at least for me anyway, that Nick Foles was healthy. He was healthy enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Even after his tearing, his ACL, whatever. He had fully recovered. He was good. He was okay. He gets in. He struggles. You know, he has his his Nick, his Nick uh, Carson Wentz moments, but he, he does struggle. And then... He doesn't. Then he really starts to struggle, and he doesn't seem to be himself. Then it turns out he had back problems, and Doug Peterson was judging him day by day. It was this whole very, very mishandled situation with Carson Wentz. And again, they call upon Nick Foles to save them, and he delivers. So... Now, even if you're Carson Wentz, those struggles in the beginning of the year, you can blame it on, you know, well, maybe he's not 100% healthy, yada, yada, yada. Or maybe it's a little, he's feeling a little bit of pressure. Because you have irrational fans out there. Like, a lot of fans are like, okay, Nick Foles, thanks for all you did, but Carson is back, he's healthy, he's our guy now. And then some people are out there who see Carson Wentz struggle and say, put Nick Foles back in. He's going to do better than Carson Wentz. Just put him back in now. And that can... Carson Wentz is not... You know, he's he's not a, a veteran. It's his second year in the league. Third year in the league. Whatever it is. And, I mean, yeah, I get he's the starting quarterback, franchise quarterback, leader of the locker room. You know, man of God, all that stuff. But, you know, he's still relatively young. So, and to have... A guy who led your team through the playoffs without you, won the Super Bowl without you, and took what was essentially your glory, and now he's your backup? It would bother me a little bit. I don't know how Carson Wentz feels, obviously, but if it were me, it would bother me a little bit that this dude who everybody loves, is behind me, and you're in a very demanding city in Philadelphia, you mess up. You know, how many times have we seen quarterbacks get injured and then they lose their starting job to their backup? Happens a lot. Not saying that's the case here. I think that somebody is going to hash out a lot of money, or I think Nick Foles is a free agent. If he's not a free agent, someone's trading for him. Nick Foles will not be on the Eagles next year. There's no way, especially if it performs in the playoffs, there's no way Nick Foles is on the Eagles next year. If I had to pick one team right now that would probably try to acquire Nick Foles in the offseason, it'd be the Dolphins because there's they're not re-signing Tannehill or picking up his option, whatever they had. They're not keeping Ryan Tannehill at quarterback position. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins went after Nick Foles. But anyway... The whole situ- quarterback situation in Philadelphia, I mean, 
it, it's it's got to be a little bit tough for Carson Wentz, to, especially now to see what's happening. He struggles throughout the year. He has his struggles, and then to have back problems and be benched for health reasons, and now Nick Foles again, even under di- more difficult circumstances, because at least last year you got the Eagles, those guys, they were running away with it. Best divi- best record in the division by far. Best team in the NFC. They ran away with with easily getting into the playoffs, first round by all that stuff. Now it was like coming down to the wire, Carson Wentz can be your guy to lead your team to the playoffs, and then he gets injured, Nick Foles gets in, and he still leads your team to the playoffs. It's all very... It's like storybook almost. The the legacy that Nick Foles has niched himself out in Philadelphia lore is unbelievable. Which is crazy considering that in the beginning of his career in Philadelphia, he had success, but he never panned out as a, 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 a long-lasting starting quarterback in the NFL. Where'd he go? He went to the Chiefs. They they paid him a lot of money. He didn't work out there. I think he went somewhere else after that, and then he ended up back on Philly. So it's been a, a weird journey for Nick Foles, but now here he is, forever a legend in the city of Philadelphia, regardless of how this playoff run turns out. Regardless of how this playoff run turns out, that Super Bowl that he got them will, oh my God, he'll, he'll forever be a legend. It won't matter. Eagles fans will be telling stories to their grandkids about the the Super Bowl run that their backup QB went on to win them their first Super Bowl ever, or whatever, if you count those non-NFL days. I don't know if they won one there, but... Needless to say, I think that the Eagles don't make it past the Bears after all that ranting and hoopla about Nick Foles and the Eagles. Uh, I think that the Bears' defense proves to be too much, especially at Soldier Field. And I think that Mitch Trubisky uh, is going to be more of a threat at quarterback than people are anticipating. You know, obviously, everyone thinks that this this defense can lead them to a championship, which I think they can, but Mitch Trubisky is going to have to perform as well, and I think he will. Anyway, to circle back around before we get before I, I finish off with uh, Bird Box and Bandersnatch, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on either. I just want to give my thoughts on how they stack up with the reviews of them. Anyway, to circle back around to the Steelers, the 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 drama and the mayhem that is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. There's beef between. Antonio Brown and Tomlin, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, and everyone seems to be against Antonio Brown right now. Now, if you've been keeping up with everything that's gone on this past week between the, the with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if not, honestly, look it up because there's just so much that has gone on. Mike Tomlin's been getting heat about his job. Antonio Brown got into a fight in practice with Ben Roethlisberger. He threw a football at him. And, you know, Antonio Brown 
there were stories. Ryan Clark came out on ESPN and said, you know, when he was on the Steelers, he said, if you give this dude money, you're going to create a monster. Talking about Antonio Brown. And I, I don't know. He came out saying Antonio Brown just saying practice. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy. I'm the franchise player, blah, blah, blah. I mean, my God. The stories that have come out about Antonio Brown's ego have not been great. And everyone... I always circle it back. Everyone gives Odell crap for everything he does. And even now with all, with the heat that Antonio Brown's getting, I still don't think it's as much as if Odell Beckham was doing this. Makes me upset because I love OBJ and he doesn't cause nearly as much drama as a lot of these other wideouts in the league or a lot of these other players. All things considered. He gets a little too emotional on the sidelines. He never lashes out at his teammates. Anyway, my point being, I don't know what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do. I think they should at least consider getting rid of all of them. Force Big Ben to retire. Trade Antonio Brown and fire Mike Tomlin. They have to at least consider it. If who's better than Mike Tomlin as an NFL coach right now? I don't know. Show me a list. I don't know off the top of my head. Antonio Brown, I think you can I think you can get a first round pick for Antonio Brown. At the very least, a second round pick for Antonio Brown. You can get value for him. I'm sure Amari Cooper, I know he's Antonio Brown's like 30, 31 or whatever, and and, and Amari Amari Cooper is only 24, 25. So that's why he got a, they got a first. The Raiders got a first for Amari Cooper. But you can get at least, I mean, Golden Tate got, was a, a, a second round or a third round pick. And he's in his 30s too. And Antonio Brown's much better. So I think you can wiggle out like a second and maybe even a fifth or sixth for Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, the, the, the Steelers are very good drafters. I'm sure they can either get a quarterback or they can go out and sign a guy. If there's one of the three that you keep, it's Big Ben. I mean, after all this drama, is it, and all the, the team chemistry and all that, and then you had the, this is on top of all the entire Le'Veon Bell drama that went out through the entire season. If you told me right now to pick between Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I'm taking Le'Veon Bell. If they were just like, screw it. Let's trade Antonio Brown and and sign Le'Veon. After all that, I I think it would be a smart move. But again, don't know what the Steelers are going to do. Obviously, they cannot keep things the way they are. I mean, that much is apparent. There's no way they keep things the way they are. Something has to change. Someone's got to get traded. Someone's got to get fired. Someone has to do something. I can't possibly see them going into the year with all three of those guys still there, especially everything that's happened. It's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Anyway, that'll that'll wrap up all my NFL talk for today. Um, but, of course, as I said, things that the two movies that people have been talking about for since, since the New Year, since even be, a little before the New Year, was uh, the two Netflix movies, uh, Bird Box with Sandra Bullock, and Black Mirror Bandersnatch. So I'll start with Bird Box. And 
I'm not even gonna talk about the plot and anything like that. Just like I normally do. It's just gonna be bits and pieces. But Bird Box. Everyone was raving about this movie on social media. It's so scary. It's it's creepy. It's eerie. You know, it's very weird. And when I gave it a watch, I th- after I was all over, um, I thought it was an incredibly original idea. You know, this evil dark force of some kind that drives people to commit suicide and all that. Very interesting concept. Uh, I thought it could have been delivered better. So, a couple, me and my friends were discussing it yesterday, actually, and a couple things were, you know, why were the mentally insane not affected by, or why weren't they driven to kill themselves? Why did they want people to see what, I, I understand it was because they were mentally ill. And that was just kind of like the thing they addressed. But why is it that the mentally ill people have a different reaction to seeing this demon type creature? And I would have personally, I know that the the crazy guy who ends up killing everyone in the house uh, had all those those dark drawings about what the creatures possibly looked like. And I know they're different for everybody, but I would have liked to see at least through one person's eyes. There was the uh, the guy, the love interest of Sandra Bullock, who he made it pretty much all the way to the end. And he ended up having to like sacrifice himself to let Sandra and her kid and the two kids go, boy, girl. When he saw, when he was fighting, you saw him fighting against the the temptation to kill himself so he can kill one of the other guys. And then, you know, he blew his brains out. But I would have loved to see what he was seeing. Just as like a one-off kind of, this is what some of them look like kind of deal. I think it would have been interesting. Instead, they just show everyone's eyes glossing over and and stuff like that, and then they end up killing themselves, and I think it could have been expanded upon, uh, it was, it was based on the book, I think this, this movie would have done a lot better as a 10 to 13 episode one-off, one-season TV show, because you can do 50-minute episodes, 55-minute episodes, who cares, of character development and uh, plot development and explore these different things throughout a 13-episode season where the where the, the episodes are all almost an hour long each. I'm not sure if it would have drawn as much attention to a lot of people just because there are a lot of episodes and that is a lot of hours of television. And it might have been better just put it in a, a two-hour something movie, whatever it was. But as far as being able to explore different avenues, I think that the television or the TV show aspect of it would have allowed you to explore why the mentally insane are affected differently, what these things actually look like. I don't know. It's my two cents. I thought it was entertaining. I never found myself bored. Uh, I thought it was an original idea, but it was a little 
predictable. Especially the ending. The ending drove me nuts. It, like, come on, man. You couldn't have come up with a better ending. You could have killed Sandra Bullock or... I mean, God forbid Netflix allows you to kill a, a kid on on a movie. That would have been some dark shit. You know, everyone was talking about how dark this movie was. If Sandra Bullock actually had to sacrifice one of the kids to navigate the the rapids, that would have been some dark... <clears throat> that would have been some dark shit. Entertaining movie. Definitely worth the watch. Um, but don't... When you read the reviews about it, don't... Uh, especially on social media. The reviews, if you look it up on Google, Rotten Tomatoes, I think, gave it like a 65, which I think is a little low. But if you look at that and then you go on, on Twitter about Bird Box, everyone is talking about how great this movie is. So when you if you haven't seen it yet for whatever reason, it kind of lands in the middle of, you know, it's not as great as everyone on Twitter is saying, but it's not as bad as uh, some of the critics are saying. It's an entertaining movie. Definitely worth the watch. Now... The second movie that I watched, Bandersnatch, Black Mirror. Highly anticipated Black Mirror interactive movie. First interactive kind of movie that Netflix has ever had that I think the general public has ever experienced. Now, right off the bat, I'm a big video game guy, of course, and I've played a lot of those choose-your-own-adventure Telltale uh, series kind of games, and I love them. I think they're fun. Uh, I think they're interesting. So, off the bat, I loved playing, watching, whatever you want to call it, Bandersnatch. Loved it. I thought the concept was cool. I enjoyed making, even though it took a long time, I got all the endings on the first try because I never went to the credits. I just kept going back and redoing choices. And I loved doing that. I loved seeing the different choices, how they played out, all the different endings. I loved it. Uh, a lot of people didn't. So a lot of people thought it was too time-consuming. It was dumb. They should have had a, a regular ending. And, I mean, yeah, I guess. For my money, I don't think this is the future of movies, a lot of people are saying this is the future of movies. Uh, I don't believe that. Um, I think that, as far as movies go, going to a movie theater and experiencing a movie in a movie theater is going to be around a lot longer than people think. You know, a lot of people think that streaming services are going to eventually take over forever and movie theaters are going to go out of business. I do not think that is the case. If you ever been to your local movie theater for a big premiere of any type of movie, I'm sure it will be packed. Because people will always like going to see movies. And this interactive movie business, it's cool, yes. It's innovative, yes. Um, but I would leave the choose-your-own-adventure interactive stuff for video games. This was cool as a one-off if a couple of other... Interactive movies pop off here and there. Very cool. But not mainstream kind of thing, you know? 
And the concept for Black Mirror was cool. I understood why they were doing the interactive choose-your-own-adventure thing as far as connecting it to the plot. Because this kid is developing a choose-your-own-adventure video game. And he's basing it off a book, which was kind of choose-your-own-adventure as well. And the whole concept is that even though you feel like you have free will, you're always... It's always predetermined. It, your choice is already made for you. So as the kid making decision, what a cereal to have, he thinks it's his, but it's actually ours. And that's the whole gist of uh, Bandersnatch is that you're really not in control. There's always something that predetermines your choices. And it's kind of creepy, but it's also pretty cool and as far as that message being, you know, you don't actually choose your own destiny. It's it's kind of in someone else's hands. The interactive mode is brilliant. Like I said, a lot of people didn't like it. They thought it was annoying to make all those decisions, to go back and make all those decisions. But, you know, I, I was not one of those people, as I said thought it was interesting I thought some of the endings were stupid of course some of the endings were stupid um but a lot of the endings were very cool so they had one ending where you have to go and retrieve the bunny rabbit toy from your dad's room and you can pick packs and the ending is that your dad is like a, a scientist and you've been like groomed to be this this uh this test subject your entire life and it was very very creepy and if that was like the definitive end I think that would have been really cool obviously it was just one of the endings but that was kind of like very that was the most black mirror type of episode type of ending I mean where it's all some type of conspiracy and you're just living in an experiment. It was kind of like a Truman show. If you ever seen the Truman uh, Truman show movie, Jim Carrey. Very Truman show-esque, except a lot darker. Also, side note, if you haven't seen the Truman show, good watch. Would definitely recommend that movie. The ending I got, the, the definitive ending I got, because I went back and forth so many times, uh... Eventually, when I got all the endings, the, the movie just ended. And the last ending I got was... You were back as a child. You retrieved the bunny. And then, when your mom asks if you're coming, you could still say no or you could say yes. If you said no, it would circle you back around and you'd have to do the whole thing over again. Uh, I said yes. So that was the last ending I got. I said yes... I go with my mom on the 845 train, it derails, I die, and then it circles back to my therapy, the therapist session, and she's like, I don't understand what happened, he was there for, he was there just a second ago, and then all of a sudden he just died, and it's just you slumped over in a chair, because you went back in time and killed yourself as a child, well not killed yourself, but you went on the train with your mom and allowed yourself to die, and then in the future there in that timeline you're just slumped in a chair dead which was very weird but 
you know, I, I thought that was a pretty solid ending, too. Uh, some of them are, are really dumb. Uh, of course, the one in the beginning where you choose to work in the office and they just immediately send you back and we're like, nope, you got to pick you got to pick a different ending. <laughs> you got to pick a different choice. Uh, sometimes they do that. But overall, Bandersnatch, I don't know if I consider it overhyped. Definitely interesting. Definitely worth playing or watching, whatever you want to say. Yeah, both of these both of these movies, Bandersnatch and Bird Box, I think are worth uh, the experience of watching, playing, and making those decisions just because they're both very original. Obviously, Bird Box, the concept of that apocalyptic scenario is very interesting despite its, you know, safe haven, uh, I am legend kind of cliche ending and then Bandersnatch was just kind of a fun experience regardless of what you think of the endings or the choose your own adventure it, it was a fun experience it was innovative and new and I'm not the concept of the whole black the black mirror concept about how you're not in control is not necessarily something we haven't heard before but it is still interesting in the way that they do it. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for joining me for the first episode of 2019. I'll be back next week with another episode about the NFL playoffs, of course, and you know all the other news that I find kind of interesting throughout the week. So thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys soon.